James, you saw, he died. <laughs> we came, you saw, he died. <laughs> Look, you saw, he died. <laughs> to another episode of the Sports Ball Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Steve, how, how is your week going so far, Steve? Uh, my week is going great, Ross. A lot of happenings out there in the world. Yeah? Tell me, do tell me about it. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> um, well, Ross, what are some of the things that, uh, that you're seeing, Ross. Well, it's been a wild, wild week, as usual. Um, so, earlier this week, we thought we thought Jeff Sessions' testimony was going to steal the show for the week. Um, but apparently, a Bernie bro had other ideas and decided to shoot up a baseball field full of only Republicans. And stole the show. And stole the show. So I don't know what order of operations you want to do, but do we want to start with sessions or start with the uh, the shooting yesterday? Let's talk about sessions. Okay. So what what's your gut coming out of what we knew was going to be another nothing burger? What was your gut coming out of the sessions testimony? A sessions burger. Well, you know, I think the, the the witch hunt continues. I saw uh, you know I saw something or post somewhere that I totally agree with and I'll share here and take it as my own and push this narrative is that the Russian investigation into Trump and Trump collusion is the new weapons of mass destructions in Iraq. Yep. That if you remember back, and I know we all have such short memories, but it, you know, it's a very similar and kind of eerie. If you do remember, if you put yourself back there time where the mainstream media on both sides were compliant in working with the government in pushing these narratives, these false narratives that we come to find out to then create this awful multi-trillion dollar, destabilize the Middle East, terrorist, you know, decade plus long campaign that has probably set us up for a lot of failure and disaster for more decades to come. Yep. But, but Steve, we did find the WMDs, right? Never have found the WMDs. Know that that it, it come to find that that intelligence was completely fabricated. Uh, which you know, I think that this is what scares me at this point. And you know, this will be a good segue into kind of what all of this is now turned into. Which you know, uh, my take on the shooter coming up is that uh, this is your result, right? Your result of Kathy Griffin, the stuff that we've talked about, the violence that has been perpetrated by the fascist left as we're calling them, the fascist liberal left, uh, liberal fascists, as they're now branded their new party. Uh, they're the party of hate. They're the party of intolerance, uh, which is, you know, kind of Orwellian because they are the ones that are, you know, they, they are the ones that are perpetrating the violence and then turning it around and saying we need to take the guns and Trump's creating the violence. It's nuts. Right, but Steve... The they're the party of tolerance. The left is always the party of tolerance. I don't know what you're talking about. The left actually historically has almost never been the party of tolerance. You know, going back to the 1960s, uh, where Democrats and previously, I mean, they were the ones responsible for slavery. And, you know, I'm sorry, slavery previous to that, but leading up to the 60s and the civil rights movements before that happened, they were the ones down south that were still perpetrating you know, the awful civil rights uh, segregation uh, that was going on up into the 1960s. Uh, these are Democrats. This was not Republicans as we know the current landscape today. Um, so, no, this is not new for the Democrats. Uh, you know, there have been a couple of famous people that have attributed, you know, the liberal fascist quote, but, you know, people have said, 
you know, the thing that we need to be most afraid of are these fascists that will come and infiltrate all infiltrate our country and where they are going to come from is from the democratic side, the liberal side. It's going to come in the form of liberalism. Um, and this is why I think, Ross, why we're doing or part of the big reason why we're doing what we're doing, right? Because as, you know, seemingly I think we think of ourselves as centrist people uh, when it comes to the politics, libertarians, um, you know, listen, don't tread on me. Let me do what I do. I'm going to let you do what you do as long as you don't interfere with my stuff. Um, you know, this is why we do what we're doing because it's, it's, it's you know, I, I hate to say it and, and label it this way, but I, I think it maybe is turning into a second civil war here. I'm saying it. There it is. You and I talked about that too. We did. And it's something that's been kind of burning for a couple of years now. I mean, I always thought civil war will happen in the second term of Obama. Um, but he, as anything, he could kick the can more than anyone else. And I think now we're to the point where we always thought, I always thought the second insurrection, the second civil war would come as a result of libertarians, conservatives, Tea Party types, taking up arms and saying, I have had enough of this government bullshit. You're overstepping your bounds. Enough is enough. Now, I didn't think we'd go down a violent route. Um, I think it would be a symbolic gesture. But the liberals basically said, hold my beer. We're going to do everything crazy that you you never thought to do on the conservative side. We're going to do it on our side, yet we're going to pretend we're the party of tolerance. And it's very amusing to watch. You know, I think I brought this up to you and for people that, you know, have brothers and sisters and grew up in that type of household, it's something that they can, you know, bring themselves back and understand this concept. And I feel like this is what the liberal left is doing to the rest of us, right? So if you've ever been a younger sibling or even an older one that's had one that's stronger than you as a younger one, you know, you remember getting or you yourself doing it, holding down a younger sibling grabbing their fist or fists and punching them in the face while they can't move and saying to them while you're doing it, stop punching yourself in the face. Why right. are you punching yourself in the face? Which incites and gets them enraged, right? Yep, yep. Uh, so, you know, people who have experienced that, which I think is probably a lot of people, um, you know, this is, what, this is what I feel like these liberal fascists are doing to us as a country. It was kind of cute. Uh, you know, at the beginning, it was kind of fun to see the meltdown. Uh, we're almost a year into a four-year, well, I think it's going to be an eight-year presidency. It's gotten obstructionist. It's gotten dangerous. And now we're to the point where, you know, the violence has, you know, come out of the quote-unquote art form. And it's now being materialized into real violence and death. Well, potential death. Well, actually, no. I mean, hey. You know, this is tied back, you know, and I think we should link it in when we talk about the shooting, link it to also the Portland stabbing, uh, where that also, and I think you've made reference to that even recently on Facebook, where that also was a Bernie bro. Yep. Um, who, who uh, you know, I think our thesis is, or maybe that's not your thesis, but my thesis is that the violence that we're seeing from, you know, especially from these people, uh, is really being portrayed by the mainstream media. Uh, and then backed up by people on social media, shared, commented, and it really gives the validation for these corporate mainstream media, you know, fascist pigs, swine-based <laughs> pigs, right? Exactly. <laughs> what they're doing, right? You know, they're really, you know, I, I've seen this, you know, uh, the Democrats are, are truly becoming the Benedict Arnolds of this generation, all of them. Every single one that's per portraying this any further, you're, you're the Benedict Arnolds of this country. And that's why I, see, I use such uh, extreme language as this is, I think they're doing it, is it's turning into a civil war. Because you can only take so much. The people that have history uh, and appreciate history uh, and, and understand it, especially of our country and how we were founded and why we were founded, we can only take so much before we recognize that the founding fathers put in there specifically a lot of these protections not from attack from uh, beyond, right, from uh, foreign enemies. It, they were really worried about attack from within. Exactly, right? exactly. That's where the destruction would come from. And people have been so blind to that because they are fucking watching the Kardashians and, right, they're watching sports ball. I used to be one of them really caught up in that sports ball mentality and they're distracted away from the things that really matter to them, which are the things I think we're talking about. Correct. I mean, I, you know, honestly, I, I thought that, 
you know, the way I see it, legally speaking, you know, whenever a party is out of power, they're not under any obligation to vote along with whoever the president is if they're the opposition party. So I knew that when Obama won, the Republicans were poor sports and they didn't go along with his agenda. But you know what? That's legal. You're not, no one's forcing you to do it. The people said they want Obama over McCain. They want Obama over Romney. I may not have personally liked it, but, you know, I wasn't into um, sedition and subversion, all that stuff. And if the Republicans opposed it, let the law, let the agenda stand on its own two feet. What you're seeing with the Democrats now is I fully expected them to not go along with Trump. That's fine. I don't get mad about that. If, you know, turnabout is fair play. What I don't like is thrusting a fake narrative on our country about Russian collusion. I mean, for every person that was right that there were no WMDs that we had to worry about, um, those same people are now saying, but trust me, there's Russian collusion. Oh, but trust me, you know, um, this is definitely happening. Oh, trust me, Bush stole from Gore, even though Hillary Clinton said, you know, rigging the election can't happen. So their brain, their thought process is upside down. They're not thinking straight. They're contradicting themselves. They don't know they're doing it. They're just kind of sucking on the tit of whatever the Democrat narrative is. And it's very pathetic to watch. It really is. Uh, I remember. Yeah, I remember back to, you know, when Don. You know, the, the shock, right? Uh, I remember. It, we'll call it the, you know, the shock of, of Trump election and people. I think waking up the following day and they just couldn't believe it. And so they took to their social media with the social injustice in their hearts. And a lot of them, the you know, the young parents that we know, Ross. Right? This is a familiar thing. I'm sure you saw it. What do I tell my kids? What do we tell the children? Oh, God. And I ask those people eight months later, and I look at them and the people that are like them, and I say, what do you tell your children or what did you? What? How have you been acting and showing them what it's like to take a loss, right? Like, right. It's unbelievable. You know, what do I tell my children? How about you use it as a lesson and you say, when somebody has a different idea with you, even though you don't agree, and it goes to a vote and you lose, you know what you do? It's just like in sports, and we should have all been taught this. You're a good sport. You say, good win. Okay, great. This is a time thing. You only have four years, and if your ideas and you're as crazy as we all think you are, you're out in four, and we're going to work hard to you know, do what we didn't do in this last four years to be better for our party. Where's that? Where's that in society? Where's that? Wasn't that what we were taught growing up? That's what Where's we that were taught. Here? You know what the Democrats, sorry for my voice cracking like I'm a 12-year-old just getting <laughs> pubic hair. Um, we need our voices to crack in a time like this. It's almost like to expand upon that um, that example, it's almost like, you know, at the end of a baseball game, when you, or soccer game, you all see a lineup, you say good game, good game, good game, good game. And there's always that asshole, that white trash asshole that spits on his hand yep. and goes to shake hands with the rest or of them. won't do it at all, like, oh, that face, fuck that. Yeah, this is stupid. Yeah, screw this. Um, that's, the, that's what the Democrats are being right now. They're the, the ones Democrats. spitting on their hands. Think of that. Like, what are you showing your kids? Like, how embarrassing is that? Like, drink that in for a minute. What do I tell my kids that the democratically elected president is president? You tell them that he's president. Right? Like, I yep. don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, well, another thing is, like, you know, for, for everyone talks about the pussy march, the pussy vagina hats. How do you tell your daughter what the P word is? <laughs> My kids don't know certain words. My daughter does not know that word yet. And we're going to keep it that way. Um, but then she sees pink hats on TV about vaginas and pussies. And what's a pussy? Blah, blah, blah. You go to the vulgar level because your candidate didn't win. Is that what we're doing here? Donald Trump, the most uh, socially... Um, <laughs> let's just say he's the antithesis of the traditional conservative when it comes to social topics. Um... He's done nothing to curb any gay rights or lesbian rights or, 
you know, Muslims notwithstanding, they're kind of in a tough way right now. But I think, I, Ross, that's right. I, I think I was actually thinking about this earlier. You know, from the experience that I've seen with the LGBT movement, I think they need to add an I at the end of LGBT. It should be LGBTI, I for intolerance, for anything that you believe, anything than what they, they believe. It, Correct. It's absolutely insane. I've yet to meet somebody from the LGBT community that can have a civil conversation about something that is in opposite to what their fundamental core beliefs are. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of insane. Right. It's turned into, it's turned into complete intolerance on that side. It has. And, and honestly, Tom, Donald Trump was one of the early adopters of, you know, before all the gay marriage stuff came in the eighties, he was very pro do whatever you want in your private life. I mean, he's a libertine in that regard. In the 80s, he was ahead of the curve with this kind of stuff. He's a New York guy, so he's more socially liberal. We knew that going in. And everyone is, is more angry than ever at this guy. I mean, it, it boggles my mind. It really does. And honestly, honestly, if, say, Donald Trump doesn't seek re-election, um, or he, when he leaves in 2024, if he gets back-to-back -back terms, Peter Thiel, the, the guy that invented PayPal, the homosexual conservative may be your very next candidate after Trump to seek the nomination. So you're going to have a guy that's going to come about in 2024, um, a billionaire that could be a, a log cabin Republican. So the game is changing. You guys need to get on board with it. And they're not. They're, they're thinking we're still, you know, Republicans are still the, I say we, neither of us are Republicans. They are the party of hate. They hate gays. None of that is true. It's not true. Maybe with Westboro Baptist Church, but I honestly, you know, say what you will about Christians, Steve. I don't know any Christians that dislike gay people because they're gay. Well, I mean, we're plugging another podcast right now. So have you uh, have you heard any of the Joe Rogan podcasts at all? I've heard a couple of them. Which one, one in particular? Of more, one of the more recent ones was with uh, the one of the daughters of the uh, founder. Uh, I'm sorry, the granddaughters of the founder. Of the uh, of the Western Baptist, what is it? The Westboro Baptist Church. Westboro Baptist Church, right? And had about spent about you know he does about two and a half hours like we do uh, with her, uh, you know, interviewing her about her grandfather, about the whole thing. Uh, her name's Megan Phelps Roper, and I, I I suggest that you and anybody should go take a look and learn and take a listen to that. Uh, she's got a hyphenated last name. It's got a hyphenated last name. Uh, Mother of Pearl. Is, that's uh, going to be, that's a deal breaker. That's a deal breaker. Grew up, grew up in the West, West Pearl Baptist Church. He was like, you know, and gave a lot of the part of the thing was just the interview about her growing up there, you know, and again, like her experiences going and picketing. You know, they did things like, you know, if you're familiar, they did things like picketing soldiers' funerals. Yeah, right? yeah. And saying death to more U.S. soldiers because God is, you know, against them. Like crazy shit like that, yep. you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just really compelling. So anyways, I suggest that uh, anybody who hasn't listened to that, go check that out. Okay, we'll do. So we'll anyways, do. Side note there, Ross. Okay. Sorry, no, that's fair. So, so that's kind of, you know, okay, so the Dems are going crazy right now. But, um, you know, they've had a rough, like Donald Trump was supposed to lose in November. And then he was supposed to... You know, not get the electoral votes. Then he well, was definitely also supposed to be impeached by now. Oh yeah, he's supposed to be impeached by now. Um, I see people all the time saying, "Well, you realize he's committed obstruction of justice." Well, no, he hasn't. Comey said that on record already. Um, you know, you know, today breaking news was that you know the Mueller investigation has uncovered that they're going to investigate whether obstruction occurred. Well, no shit. The second Comey said that on the stand. I knew that was the next step. You don't have to be like a rocket science to know that. They're going to investigate it. So I, I just, everything's going exactly to how normal woke people think it's going to go, where there's, it's a nothing burger. And we saw that with Sessions this week, who just friggin' knocked it out of the park. He wouldn't, he wouldn't fall for anything. Um, he basically acquitted himself very well. Uh, he lost his temper with Ron Wyden, um, the lisping, hair-lipped Kansas senator, I believe, or was it Kansas? somewhere in the Midwest? Um, he just basically said, "Look, you tell me what I'm being accused of. I have no freaking clue what's going on. Why I'm even up here? You tell me what I've done wrong." Basically, what they said was, "You know, you've had separate meetings. 
The Mayflower Hotel meeting never happened. He said that never happened under oath. Um, the other meetings he had was in his capacity as an armed service committee, which every other member met with upwards of 20 different diplomats from all different countries of the world. This is the context that liberals like to take out. If it's part of your day-to-day -day job as a committee member, you're not committing anything you know, untoward or unsavory. This is, this is part of the deal when you're on the Armed Services Committee. You're meeting, you're meeting people from other countries, diplomats, in some cases ambassadors. Nancy Pelosi met him the same amount of times that Jeff Sessions met this guy. They don't care about that part. They just want to make suppositional innuendo that, you know, Jeff Sessions was in, the, was in a buffet line with the Russian ambassador. To them, that's a secret meeting he didn't declare. His advisors and consultants told him to fill out the documentation exactly like he did. Um, so to then say, oh, he intentionally lied, this is treason, he did not do something right, he's hiding, it's insulting, and, you know, God, he's an old Southern boy who was around during the communist USSR days. He's not going to be colluding with Russia. Use your frigging brains. Uh, but, they, but none of that, none of that makes sense to the liberal brain. Um, they need to find cover for the fact that Hillary lost. And anything they will do to make it look like it was a, an unjust victory for Donald Trump, they're going to do it. And the Jeff Sessions on the heels of the James Comey thing, um, you know, there, it, you, there's nothing that's going to come out that's going to that's going to indict Donald Trump or that's going to make him look like he's been in collusion. You saw the campaign he ran. It was a grassroots campaign. It was a very basic level campaign. He did it on one third of the budget of anyone else. Uh, he does not have connected people in Washington D.C. that are going to you know flip votes for him or secret back channels during the election campaign because he's got so many contacts. This is a businessman who hated politicians who hated having to run as a politician, to think that he has a lineup of people behind the scenes that are doing back channels with Russia before the election. is It's absurd. And anyone with a brain that functions um, would understand that. But you I guess... I, you know what I find fascinating, Ross? And this is something I think about. It's more and more every time. It's, you know, like, uh, I use the Comey... Uh, the Comey... Uh, testimony. Or most recently, like, we're talking about the Sessions testimony... I find it completely fascinating how, you know, someone like, or people like you and I can watch this and we can come to the conclusions like you're coming to. Like, you know, and there are people there is, uh, on the side of the committee that, you know, throw out questions like, all right, let's get right to it. Uh, did you, did they do this or was there this? And they emphatically, as you've seen, say, no, they didn't. No, we have no evidence, right? Yep. And for people like us, that's enough. Right? That's enough. It's yep. okay. Right? There it is. There it should be enough. Well, you know, the same the same testimony being watched by a, a separate group of people going in with a, a whole other set of preconceived notions. They watch the same things that we're watching. And they get a totally different story. Yep. Right? And you see that story. And it's, you know, it's pushed by the mainstream media. But, I mean, it's almost like it's set in balance because now people are almost looking for this stuff. So, you know, if, if Sessions doesn't answer a question, oh, he's hiding something. Right. Well, there it is. There's the proof that he's hiding something. You know, and, it, and it's amazing. It, it really is. And it shows, again, the divide and how far we are apart. You know, and, and again, the mainstream media is the great barometer of this because, you know, you finish watching – you know, one of these testimonies, like I'm saying, and you turn on Fox News, for example, and they give you one side, right? Well, here he's clearly vindicated. It should be enough at this point. And then you turn on CNN or MSNBC, and it's like I said, right? It's, well, it's obstruction of justice. There it is. And here's our path for impeachment. And we knew it all along. Right, and it's yep. backed up by Sessions not answering the questions like maybe he should have. And it's amazing. You understand, like the the wide gap in the same thing that we're all watching that people are taking away. We're all humans, right? We're all humans. Yep. But but you know, I think you and I and, and a lot of others. I mean, we're we show some humility and that we both feel we got burned by both sides of the aisle at different points in our life. I was lied to for the WMDs. 
uh, and some other you know post 9/11 neocon activities on the Republican side. Um, I think you had previously mentioned that you felt uh, betrayed by Obama um, for supporting him twice. I mean, there's humility on our side of the fence. And I think what we're not seeing from the left is humility. We're not seeing the ability to say, all right, I know, she lost. This Russia stuff is a reach. Um, we'll come back and get him in 2020 or 2024. Much like the Republicans said after Romney got his dick kicked in. Um, but you're not seeing that because they are the smartest people in the room. They know best. Um, they're the intelligentsia. They know best. They're the Manhattanite elites. And they just don't want to admit that they got chumped. Um, they ran the worst candidate of all time for them. And, you know, she had so many warts on her. And, and they just don't want to deal with the loss. I guess, the, you know, the consequence of a snowflake generation. But to your point, you know, they, they, they watch the same thing we watch. But you know what? Why don't you challenge yourself to look past Fox News, past MSNBC. Go look at the original transcript. Take it right down the middle. Take the C-SPAN approach. Read the transcript. Watch the tapes. You know, read a transcript with the sound off, and then just make your own decision, and then see if the rest of the data supports it. And look at their body language. These people are under oath. They go to jail if they're lying. Uh, it, do that instead of watching Brett Baer or Charles Krauthammer on, 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 on Fox News or watching Rachel Maddow or Chris Hayes on the left. Dissect something. Do something yourself. Use your own brain. Yeah, I think it's about, well, I think a big thing, like you're saying, is it's challenge yourself, right? You should really, as, as, as any human being should be, you should want to challenge yourself every day and take yourself out of your comfort zone or your bubble, right? Because everybody lives in a bubble. Don't get all upset and triggered when someone says you live in a bubble, because you do. We all do. We all do. Um, you know, self-imposed bubbles, bubbles that are set up for ourselves, uh, you know, by society or government, uh, the local place you live, your town, your city. Uh, it, it, it exists. We all live in one, so you know you should recognize that and challenge yourself. Get out of it every day. Make yourself read something that challenges your thoughts. Listen to an opinion that's different than yours, and you know, and, and try not to scream and shout and tell them what an uneducated piece of shit that they are. Right? Exactly. I think it's a good practice. I can't believe that I'm saying that, right? Like the civil discourse, right? It's just kind of common sense. I thought we all grew up with it. I guess not. I guess not. Apparently, apparently not. Apparently not. So, um, but so you know, you Steve, you and I are the adults in the room now. God help us. God so, help us. Can you believe it? I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. So that makes no sense. It makes no sense. But alas, here we are. So, so that was the sessions thing. It was a big nothing burger, as expected. Um, and, uh, hold on, hold on one sec. Guys, I'm trying to do the podcast for crying out loud. You know what? You know what? I'm going to take my show on the road. All right. I'm in my youngest room and they're, they're coming in from bath time. He's screaming. He's acting like a little, ugh. all right. I've now moved to my daughter's room because I'm a loser. Um, all right, so so that was the sessions thing. Um, again, sorry liberals, but try again. Better luck next time. Well, so again, like I said, I mean, we'll see, right? Because it doesn't. Yeah, that's what we say. But is the is did did it stop? Is the special uh, you know prosecution over? No, I heard that Mueller hired two more. Uh, Clinton era former employee attorneys to his team, and it's like, oh Jesus. Well, that's the thing. So, like, oh God. So there was a rumor earlier in the week that that Trump was going to fire Mueller uh, because he's he buddy. Get him, get him out of there. See you later, Bill Ross. Right. Well, that's the, you know. At first, I was like, oh geez, you're just going to give bulletin board material to the left because it's cares. It doesn't matter. They're going to be mad anyway, right? They're going to be mad anyway. People are going to recognize that. It's like, I don't know. Maybe I haven't dealt with that too much. And it's like, you can't give a shit about what these people think, truly, because they're going to think that shit anyways. Right, exactly. They're kind of the lost cause. They're no longer holding the mantle as the adults in the room. They are very right, kid exactly. stable right now. Do you, ever, do you ever pander down to children, or do you stand up like an adult and go, no, right. no. Yeah. This is what's happening. I do not negotiate with children. Right. I make it, Ross, I have a policy. I don't negotiate with children, especially my nephews and nieces. Not happening. This is what's <laughs> happening. This is where it's going because Uncle Steve's saying so. Yep, I like it. I like it. You're not a cuck. That's why. You're not a cuck. No, not at all. And I'll beat the crap out of him, too. 
good. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I'm a spanker. I was spanked when I grew up, when I was growing up. I think it has some effect, you know, because it's like a real world thing. You know what? In the real world, you can say some stupid shit, and guess what's going to happen? You're going to get popped off, slapped in the face, or punched in the mouth. Yep. So you know, your mom and your dad should teach you that. You know, or your brother, or sister should teach you that early. Yeah, that's. Listen, I. I there's some times I should have been kicked in the dick more than. More than once, um, and that would have that would have made me not so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, never mind. We're gonna edit this part out. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so that's the sessions thing. Um, do we want to then move into the crazyville known as uh, yet another Bernie Bro goes crazy and ape shit and starts shooting people? Yeah, why don't you break it down and kind of give the scenario? What happened? What were the particulars? Yeah. So. So on that front, so uh, yesterday, or this will air on Friday, but on Wednesday was the uh, Steve Scalise shooting in the early morning hours at a at a Alexandria baseball field that ironically was already telegraphed by the New York Times a couple days earlier. They actually said, they wrote an article where they announced where the congressional team practices. Um, so that was that was telegraphed to the to the gentleman that, that shot them up yesterday. Um, but... So that shooting happened. Apparently, a guy with a nine millimeter and a rifle showed up and said, "Is that the Republican or Democrat team playing over there?" He got his answer to those Republicans, and he decided to open up shooting. Uh, he shot for ten minutes or so until he was eventually brought down, shooting Steve Scalise in the hip and a couple other aides. Uh, Steve Scalise is actually a big player in the whole. Uh, he's the minority whip. Did they say he had AIDS? I didn't say any AIDS. No, he didn't have AIDS. His AIDS. His AIDS. There were AIDS, rather. Oh, A-I-D-E-S. Yeah. Got it. Not A-I-D-S. No, like Charlie Sheen wasn't there. Charlie Sheen wasn't there with his AIDS. Um, Magic Johnson? Magic, jo Magic Jordan wasn't there. Magic Bird wasn't there with his AIDS. Well, actually, Magic Johnson doesn't have AIDS because he, he he took injections of money into his bloodstream, uh, like the South Park episode said. So his AIDS are gone. Anyway, uh, but but so so this guy this guy shot up the field, and they finally brought him down after ten minutes, and in the process, Scalise got shot. Two AIDS got shot. And uh, as Rand Paul described it, they'd all be dead if it wasn't for the Capitol Police. So good guys with a gun neutralize the bad guy with a gun. Um, but, you know, the question then becomes, you know, go back in time seven years, eight years to when um, Jared Loeffner shot up Gabby Giffords. You know, the liberal Satan-worshipping drug addict was somehow framed as a conservative Sarah Palin supporter uh, eight years ago, seven years ago. But now, fast forward to yesterday, and the liberals are doing a lot of mental and intellectual gymnastics to acquit themselves. Did you notice that? Well, I think some of them, when, when it comes to, listen, it's like, uh, it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye, right? Well, right. it's like, kind of, I think that's what we were saying, is, hey, this has all been kind of funny a little bit, but this, now it's getting serious, and now people on your side are actually killing people. So, yeah, I would fucking expect in a normal world that some of these people are going to walk it on back, walk, walk, walk it on back. Right. right? Some of the crazy shit they've been saying. Right. Yes, that is my full expectation uh, but hey, you know, for every, uh, you know, for every, uh, you know, what's that woman's name, the red hair there that, uh, Kathy Griffin. Yeah. For every Kathy Griffin, you have, a you know, a Jerry Seinfeld or, you know, some other idiot that's going to come out there and, and defend her right to do that. And it's like, oh, yep. Jesus. Yeah. What do we, we made fun of the Huff Post. Huff Post is the one magazine or newspaper, online newspaper that will, validate some of the worst behavior of liberals in the form of an article using millennial speak. They'll say something like, here's why what Kathy Griffin said was bad, but why you should support her. Here's why when Bill Maher said the N-word, it was okay. 
Yeah, to your point, that was something that was on yesterday was uh, Wolf Blitzer on CNN that was interviewing, I think it was somebody that knew uh, that crazy shooter, and the guy was justifying, well, you know, I don't think he was nuts, I think he was just kind of sick of the political discourse. Yeah, I saw, yeah. So, so yeah, the, right? Well, if they, they go back to Wolf Blitzer, and Wolf Blitzer's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, here's, here's your opportunity if you're a leader of mainstream, you know, independent media, you go, hey, how about no, this guy was fucking nuts. He just came and shot up a bunch of people. What? But they don't challenge. That's the problem. Oh, of course, is what you're saying. No, they don't challenge. It's because, you know, they don't challenge just because it's, hey, listen, it's a big reason, Ross, and you know I'm an equal opportunity hater when it comes to religion. It's a big reason why there aren't that many uh, people in the Islamic religion that step out and condemn, uh, you know, the extreme, the extremist views. Right. Because, unfortunately, they're quote-unquote moderate Muslims they, they, I don't want to say they agree with it, but a lot of them do with what some of this stuff is, and they're they're unwilling to come out and step out because, uh, you know, because of fear, because of things that, like, you know, they agree with a lot of that stuff. It's part of the culture. So right, and they don't want to get beheaded or have their vagina mutilated um, or stones thrown at their temple. Um, but, but no, I agree. And, th- and this, this goes on both sides. When, when something like this happened, you know, I doubt Sean Hannity was going to shoot down anyone saying it was rhetoric related in 2010 with Gabby Giffords. Much the same. You're not going to see Rachel. This guy was a Rachel Maddow fan, a Bernie bro. And again, I don't, Bernie, Bernie supporters were a hell of a lot more woke than the average Hillary Clinton supporter. They're, they're, they have more overlap in a Venn diagram with Trump supporters than they do Hillary supporters. So I'm not hating on Bernie supporters. This is just, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, whereas the Hillary supporters and their ilk are running all of the intel crap in the Beltway right now with the Russia collusion, the Bernie supporters are the animated social justice warriors. There's a fringe of that movement that are just, they're all about violence, much like I'm sure there were violent Trump people. But you know what? When it happens, you call it out, So, and you hope it doesn't get repeated. Like Dylan Roof, I don't even think he was a Trump supporter. He wasn't particularly conservative. Uh, he may have been religious. It wasn't over-the-top apparent, much like with Tim McVeigh. Uh, but they did everything they could to knock down the Confederate flag and do this, that, and the other thing. And look at the, look at the activism that spawned from the Dylan Roof shooting. Well, now the shoe's on the other foot. What activism are the conservatives going to push for the intense leftist zealots? Like, what is our movement going to be now? What, like, what are we going to, what are we going to do now? And and I and not not to say that you're necessarily conservative the way I am, but like, like activism wise, the left overreacts to everything, and they go into activism mode and they shut down and make people resign and recuse themselves. What does the right do when something like that happens when the shoe is on the other foot? And I, I'll, be, I'll be damned if you see anything significant happen from this. I mean, I think as we go to the summer of rage, it's now mid-June, I think by, God forbid, but by mid-summer, late summer, you're going to see another congressperson get shot up by a Republican. I, I'm sorry, by, a, by an angry Democrat or an angry socialist or an angry Jill Stein supporter. It's not a Bernie pro. I don't I don't necessarily see Bernie Bernie's rhetoric as being at fault here. I don't blame him. Uh, much no, like Bernie's, but it's, listen, you do need to blame him though cuz he's part of the problem, right? And it's like, you know, it, it goes to the party, you know, you make the analogy and we have laws on books stuff like that. Yeah, you know what? Bernie's not in the bank robbing the robbing it directly with the gun with the mask on his head, but that motherfucker sitting out in the car, you know, getting ready to drive everyone away and he's complicit as everybody because he knew, right? He knew that they cheated him, the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. He knew it. And so he had an opportunity back then to step up, right? He wanted to call himself an American. You want to say and put your country first? That, that guy doesn't put his country first. He's a fucking socialist, man. He's a fucking socialist. He, he, he wants to take everyone else's shit first, and that's the problem with socialism, is that they want socialism with everyone else except for themselves. Right. Major problem with socialism, right? Right. Major, major issues. He made a million dollars last year. He a did. A million. 
He did. For he, a book deal, right? Yep. Guess how much of that money Bernie Sanders and his wife need to survive? 70000 None of it. None, None of, of it. it. Between pensions and things, if he wants to talk about money distribution, you give it all away, Bernie. Now I'll listen to you because you have a platform. Until then, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up, right? It's like yeah. stupid. So, like, of course he's complicit. He's totally complicit. He could have stopped this a long time ago, and he sold out. He did. I, I'll never forget his face. He sold out. Listen, it's, just, it's the same sellout as Al Gore did back in the uh, 2000 presidential election when they essentially told him, hey, listen, you back out now, and we're going to make you and your generations to come absolutely filthy rich with global warming. Yep. And he's been doing that ever since. Yep. Yep. It was a great comp- compromise. It was a, <laughs> seeing it like that, that was actually a very good compromise for him. He made out very well. This is this, yeah, it's the same thing for Bernie. And like, Bernie, you're going to be taken care of, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, but how do they, that's my question, not to go down a, a rabbit hole, but like for Bernie, it's like, and I, there are rumblings he's going to run in 2020 against Biden for the primary. I, you know, I, I don't know what happens next because he, he still has some energy. He's got a hell of a lot more energy than Hillary ever had. But like, what is his payoff? Because he's not even really a Democrat. I think, didn't he resign the party, like, the next week? Uh, I, listen, I, I, my prediction, and I'll continue to say this, I predicted, I think, a, four years ago plus that the, no, probably eight years ago, the Republican Party was shot. It's game yep. over. Yep. And, you know, as we've seen, they put up McStain and, and the idiot out of uh, Alaska. Like, really? That's who you get to... To, to run this country, okay, no matter why, you got crushed. Yep. Uh, they had, we've talked about this, right? The next two, they put up the magical underwear guy and who? And uh, Paul Ryan, just a real flimsy and cuck. Just a huge, tall cuck. Right. right. Just horrible. So you got smoked again by a guy that just flat out lied about policy and then just did the exact opposite, and you got smoked. Yep. So then the third the third time, now we're in the third election that you guys have been completely dismantled after George Bush crushed your party. Yep. And a Democrat coming in runs on your ticket because he knows the other side's cheating so badly. Yep. The Clinton the Clinton cartel. And he comes in and he hijacks your party and wins as a Democrat in your party. Yep. So what does that say about your party? Right. Your party's finished. Finished. Right? Finished. The Democrats, oh, the Democrats, Ross, right? The Democrats. They are so fractured right now in between the Hillary supporters and the Bernie supporters and there's, if you watch it, it there's, a, there's almost a civil war going on in between them. They're yep. attacking each other. It's like cannibalism left and right. Yep. But that's good. That's social good. justice that's... warriors attacking other social justice warriors, right? They can't even contain themselves. It's like a, it's like an out-of-control disease. Right. Right. That happened at the Pride Parade last week. There, it got They got blocked off by the, the social justice warrior Black Lives Matter crowd. Yes. Or how, okay, there's a great example. How about a second example during the Pride Parade? And that's why I led out with the LGBT community needs to be LGBTI for intolerance, right? Because it's funny now that one side of the LGBT community wouldn't allow a side of the LGBT community that supports Donald Trump to march in their parade. How fucking tolerant is that? Right, right. your own people that you're turning away and hating. Right. Think of that. Think of that cannibalism and how sick that is. But you know what? Let it play out. Like, you must have enjoyed seeing the Republicans gobble each other up. Trump just ran roughshod over the establishment. It was enjoyable for me to watch as a Rand Paul guy on the sidelines. It must have been enjoyable for you as a Bernie bro, seeing all the chaos. I love carnage if it means you're better off in the end. And that's exactly well, what we well, saw. And that's why I'm thankful, and I think I see it. I, I think I did see it then, I see it now, is that he... He was ultimately the best choice. You know, out of all those choices that we had, he was the best choice to really try to end the, the nasty stuff that's going on in this country. Um, and, and, you know, to be honest with you, I think we're already in a death spiral. I think that 
Hillary would have been the nail in the coffin for the uh, NBA Jam fans out there. Yep. Um, and he he's our kind of last gasp at this great republic uh, for what we are and what we stand for. Uh, if it weren't, if it's not for him, or we don't get somebody in succession to come after him and continue his policies, we're going to go the way of the EU. Yep. And it's it's absolutely going to happen. Yep. Someone someone said a while ago if. Donald Trump has to succeed because if he doesn't, with his brand of capitalism, we will go to socialism, and there's no bones about it. That will happen. So there he's ain't no bones, Ross. Ain't no bones. Ain't no bones. And we we will be in deep kimchi if Trump's version of capitalism doesn't work. So that's why when you make when you hear the left making fun of coal and making fun of the the jobs that are coming back and the snide remarks, oh, those blue-collar jobs are just going to leave anyway. That's the attitude that got your asses kicked. Okay, we are in a part-time economy. We don't touch finance as much in this podcast. We will later, but economy uh, from an economy standpoint, we are a part-time gig economy. We think we've talked about this before. The organic, you know, full-time jobs are not here yet, even if Trump's been here for six months. They're not here yet. They're not going to come back for some time. He has to kind of set the table for this kind of stuff. And we're not there yet. Obama and Bush did not give us a great jobs economy of full-time jobs. They give us part-time jobs or they give us very few full-time jobs. That's the Obama-Bush legacy of 16 years. That's right. Can we talk about finance for a second? Especially yeah. finance that's local to where we grew up. Yeah. So, did you notice in the last week that the state of Massachusetts, I think it was Standard & Poor's, downgraded the state of Massachusetts bond rating. Yes. You saw that. I so did. So for the finance people out there, explain to them why that's a major deal, Ross. Well, because it means that you know companies are not going to come into the state. Um, they're not going to be reliable as it relates to people buying municipal bonds of Massachusetts to give more revenue to the state to do expansion and infrastructure all that stuff it's That's right. well, let me, yeah, and, and i'll bring it more in like i like to think of it as like always the hyper local level what does it mean to johnny q and jane q taxpayer well it means that you know you guys live in tax as it is anyways and as it's known and the people are mismanaging the already exorbitant amount of money that you are giving them already and they've mismanaged it to the point to where the rating agencies downgraded and what that means is that you're already you're now going to pay more money on the debt that you owe than you already owed it right the exactly going to pay with a better rating exactly so get ready for more and higher taxes to pay for some mismanagement Congratulations. Bend over and prepare to get fisted again. It's tax you know, and, you know, and I think it's, And I think that's worth bringing up, Ross, and we, I didn't think we plan on talking about this, but I think it's so ironic, and I think it's just going to be one of these things that you play out, and I have to laugh as you see all these complete fucking asshole people in all of these cities and towns that proudly stand up and say, I am defying the law of the land, and I will be a sanctuary city. Yep, yep. Oh, I would feel... Unbelievable if I were a legal citizen of the state of Massachusetts and I see all of these assholes parading this around for the past 10 months and then we get downgraded, which means I get to pay more money. Right. Keep it up. For the same stuff that I already would have paid for anyways. Think of that. Correct. So you have that going on. Now, whether or not Trump's able to say, well, you know what? We're going to withdraw funding of XYZ independent of that. You're now getting a populace that is getting pissed off because the people in charge, the, the Ivy League people, the smartest people in the room are not doing a good job managing. They're completely blowing it. It's They're blowing it. I'll give you another one, and this is why I think it's a great tie-in and why I brought up that bond thing, right? So at the same time that the state of Massachusetts is, dry, is, is, is losing a, you know, credit in, in their municipal bonds, uh, at the same time, it's 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 run on zero hedge that the Boston uh, MBTA has completely and fraudulently hid five hundred million dollars, so they think, and it could be more of unfunded liabilities as far as pensions and 
things like that, right? Yep. Within the MBTA. Yep. 500 million of unfunded liabilities, right? So that's on to the add-on, to tack that on if people know, know what unfunded liabilities are, right? I'll let you explain that. But tack on that number to the already billions of dollars in maintenance costs and structural costs that you're already behind in knowing you have to spend. And then put that in your pipe and smoke it, taxpayers of Massachusetts, when that bomb bursts. Right. And that's and that becomes mainstream. And that was the article you sent to me the other day about the guy that discovered the Bernie Madoff. That's right, Ross, because at the end of the day, and this is why I think people, and this is why, like, oh, God, I would be so angry if I'm in Massachusetts, because, again, we just laid something out that you're now going to be on the hook for your taxes to pay that debt back, right? The, 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 and now on top of that, these unfunded liabilities for the MBTA, who do you think is going to be put on the hook for that to pay that? Joe Sixpack. Joe and Jane. Well, hey, hey it's, you know, it's not just Joe and Jane Sixpack. It's Joe and Jane, uh, you know, Chardonnay and Subray and Scotch, too. Right. They don't like paying. Listen, just because you're rich doesn't mean you don't like paying taxes. Well, exactly. And it goes back to the point of that the whole populace just gets pissed off the taxpaying populace whether you're middle class upper lower upper middle or, or upper class it doesn't matter there should be no class warfare it's do you pay taxes or do you not pay taxes do you trust the people that are running your state can i show you another article that that hit today i saw this earlier today illinois is in the same situation where they have budget shortfalls they are suspending power listen they've been doing that for they it's been for years, that's been the case, and they've been kicking that can down the road for a long time, but you're right, they're one of the habitual offenders, they're one of the worst. They are, and, and what they're doing is today it dropped that without a budget in place, they're going to suspend Mega Millions and Powerball. They cannot, they're not obligated, they're not authorized to make payments to Mega Millions or their associations without a budget in place. So, um, now, you know, even a bigger one I saw uh, in an article even today, uh, around that, that uh, they're sending out a letter saying, as of July 1st, please stop all road maintenance crews that we've contracted because we don't have the money to pay the companies. Yes, yes. Wow. And that's a microcosm, but you're going to start to see more and more of that. Imagine, think of that. Imagine if you have a million-dollar condo in Chicago on the waterfront that you're paying for, and you're already paying really high taxes, and they're going to go, we're coming after you. Rich guy, yep. <laughs> like, like you're the bad guy. You're the bad guy because right. you took chances. You got lucky. You had whatever situation. Now you're the bad guy. You're paying a lot of taxes to begin with. They're going to go up considerably because you now have a crappier bond rating, which means that companies and businesses are not going to invest in the state. They're going to go to Connecticut. They're going to go to Rhode Island. They're going to go to Vermont and now New Hampshire. Listen, let's let's continue the problem, right? Because in the college uh, state that you're in, Connecticut, they're having a huge problem. And that's, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'll give you the, the basic data, is that the hedge funds that have moved into Connecticut and have been there for a while that escape, that, you know, do the reverse commute thing out of New York City and yep. set up shop there, they pay an exorbitant amount of taxes, right, because on the, how much money they make, and proportionally based off the rest of the state, which is a relatively small state, you have very uh, very depressed areas like New Haven and other places too like that. Bridgeport. They, they pay so much in taxes, and what's been happening in the last 6 to 12 months is a lot of those hedge funds are picking up shop and they're getting out of there because it's exactly what we're saying. They're having Democratic governors step in who are absolutely railing against and saying, you know where we're going to get this shortfall? We're going to go after the fucking hedge funds. And so you know what the hedge funds are doing? Stealing. See, at GE left Connecticut. They're not even a hedge fund. They're one yeah, of the most... Well, you know, have, well, listen, think of how funny that is. GE's leaving Connecticut. We're giving them a big tax break to come to Boston. They're in the city of Boston. Get the state of Massachusetts. Get downgraded. <laughs> yeah, good job. Good job, oh, Jeff Immelt. But hey, you know, these are it's the Democrat stronghold. It's Listen, the, the, do you think GE, who took that sweetheart deal to come there and build their headquarters from the state and city of Massachusetts and the city of Boston, do you think they're giving back any of those tax breaks that they got? Uh, Hell no. 
No, I don't think so. Hell no. Johnny and Janie, Massachusetts uh, taxpayer, you know, don't think that you're going to have GE's going to come in and help you for any of that shortfall on the, uh, you know, on the downgrade or on the unfunded liabilities for the MBTA or any other crazy shit that's probably happening there. Of course not. Of course not. So that's, you know, to multiply that by 50, you, you also saw Puerto Rico vote to become what they want to be as the 51st state. It's not going to happen. But and because how many billions? Like how many? Seriously, like is it how, how many hundreds of billions are they in debt? Oh, they're is, in, it, is it not that much? It's adding exorbitant. I number? would say they're between. I, this is I think between ten and twenty. But that's a shitload for them. They're Puerto Rico. Um. So so yeah. Now everyone wants to get on good with Uncle Sam because they think he'll be helping them out. But Uncle Sam is bankrupt. Uncle Sam's pockets are empty. Um, just because Trump's here and he's a capitalist doesn't mean he's going to magically wipe out a $20 trillion debt. You know, we still have issues that we have to take care of here. He's trying. Bit by bit, he's trying. He can't get it off the tarmac because we're in this friggin' Russia collusion stuff. So that's kind of the layout. That's why I, I kind of just want to let Trump do what he can with the economy because Obama and Bush sure as hell didn't. They all had the central banks doing it for them, and that didn't help things. So let's let organic capitalism rule the day and see what happens. If it doesn't well, work... You know, well, it's interesting you brought that up because I don't think that Trump uh, is going to be able to stop the impending crash that's coming. Um, and they will blame it on him, right? It's part of their tactic that they're already mounting. Is you know he's, he's, he, They're setting him up to take all the credit because they know that his ego does take credit for all of the gains in the stock market. But Ross, you and I know that's all fake. That's gone on from the quantitative easing that they've done for the past, you know, eight years. Um, correct, correct. And, and, and that's all fake, right? So at, at any point, the same people that perpetrated and blew that bubble up are going to deflate it when the time's right. Exactly, um, exactly. And now, now, to be fair, Trump says he has information that the final GDP statement of Q1 is going to be a lot better than we thought. But again, it's too early to tell. I, I don't want to just be sitting on Trump's dick and saying, oh, everything Trump did from April, January 20th on is perfect, but everything Obama did was bad. Trump is about organic growth. Obama and Bush and Clinton were all about kicking cans and, you know, the economy that Bill Clinton presided over was a lot better than the one that Bush and Obama presided over. I'll credit where credit's due. But I need, you need, we all need organic full-time jobs with good benefits just because the unemployment rate is at 4.3%, 4.5%, if everyone's working a part-time job, I'm not impressed, okay? I'm more impressed when it's a 4.3% and more people are working full-time jobs. More people what are... Think about, Ross, what do you think about universal basic income? No. No, no, we don't want that. Okay, liberal, like, don't just shut out your emotions. Like, give me some evidence. Why? Because it's going to be more, more taxpayers have to pay into that. It's never going to be enough. They're going to want to chase that up just like minimum wage gets chased up. And eventually it's one more liability that the taxpayer, the state, cannot stomach. And there will not be a good mechanism in there to say, okay, you're getting a minimum, great. What are you doing for work? Oh, you're not doing anything for work. What are you doing? Oh, you're I on welfare. Point. I, I think that's the point, is that it's not welfare. They're not requiring you to do anything. It is you get this for existing in the, as a citizen of the United States. I Personally, that's where we're going to part ways. I don't want any extra expenditure. I want people out there working for their income. If they can't do it because they're disabled or whatever, let there be a bare minimum safety net. But I don't want that basic built-in you know, income. I don't want that. So, that, that's just me. That's where, I, I just, we can't build that in. That's a European approach and it creates people to be fat and happy. I don't want that. Oh, I mean, listen, I'm kind of a realist. I'd like to think of myself as that. And what you're saying you don't want by this thing that has never existed, it already exists now without that thing. Everybody is fucking fat and lazy. <laughs> I, you know what, actually... fat and lazy with no universal basic income, so you're worried about something that's already happened to happen to this thing that hasn't happened yet, which I, doesn't make sense. I think you mentioned this. Actually, one of our calls a couple of years ago, I think you mentioned this, so play it out. Play. Let's, let's play this out. We don't always have to agree, so let's play it out. 
Give, give me your take on that. Well, I'm not sure. I, I really don't have a stance on it. I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting concept. I think it's, you know, with the impending era of automation, uh, which is going to completely take away a lot of, you know, the remaining jobs that you're talking about, like real jobs, like job jobs left. Um, you know, and as medicine is only getting better, which only, you know, you think we're going to live longer. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a convergence creating a perfect storm. So, right. you know, you have all the, a few other factors like those to, to keep in mind and say, well, okay, well, what do you do? Right. Like, because something's going to happen. So, you know, if, if we assume that everyone's not going to die or we're not going to put everybody in concentration camps and kill them, uh, we got to do something with those people. They got to do something. And if they're not, quote unquote, working in the classical sense that we're thinking, because that those jobs are taken over by, you know, robots and, you know, AI and things like that. Well, what do those people do, Ross? Right. Well, OK, so how about this? Does that mean that we switch it up? Do we say instead of taking money out for Social Security for the end of your life, what if we do a swap and you take it out and it goes into some account for now and it's something you can draw upon? Then, then the, the next the next question becomes, well, why the hell are you taking anything out? Just let me keep it in my paycheck, <laughs> right? Well, that's, you know, I've, I have a friend that he's for universal basic income, and one of the ways he wants to pay for it, and this is a very libertarian thing, is that you, you literally are going to destroy a few departments uh, right. and fire all those people and take all that funding, and you're going to put it into this. Because, you know, a lot of it doesn't make sense, right? Like, yeah, listen, the Fed, for example. Right, you and I, we talk about the Fed all the time. The Federal Reserve completely exists as a mechanism to uh, print and distribute our own money to us? Yep. Wait a minute. Yep. That actually sounds kind of ridiculous. Uh, we have super smart people here in this country, uh, some of which were the founding fathers, and they figured out how to fucking win a revolution and create this unbelievably crazy experiment that's never existed quite in the way it is before. I think we could figure out our own money and how to distribute it, right? Right. Uh, but it's just like anything in business, when you add a middle person in, number one, you add a huge uh, potential for corruption, uh, and number two... You know, it, it, you just add in more cost, right? Everything gets more expensive. Facilitation so, costs, right? What is that? Facilitation costs. Costs of having a middleman in there. We saw this, Steve. We saw this within minutes, days, hours of the Parrot Climate, climate Accord. Everyone was all like, well, you know what? Everyone's doing things locally and at the state level and... It's really good to see all the cities coming together, and they're they're gonna live up to those accord and those those climate standards. I'm like, this is brilliant. Thank God you're doing that. That means we don't have to be a part of this deal. You're proving our point. Do it at the local state level. We don't. <laughs> that, that was my that was my big point is you know for all these people, and that's on so many things, right? That's that's kind of my new stance on all this stuff, right? NPR and defunding the arts and NPR and how dare they and I'm thinking how dare you right it's like take your own money if you want to spend it on this and this is important to you fucking pay for it pay right. for it stop demanding that everyone else exactly you know it's it's like going back to the socialism shit it's like every socialist wants everyone else to do it but they're the ones themselves are not doing it yet themselves first but they're the first to suggest it and that right. is so hypocritical right because it's, it's we're, we're used to it's a built-in cost of being an American that's the problem and we all get used to that we all get used to a certain cost being included in everything that we do it's a built-in uh, tax it's a built-in this that and the other thing oh we can't exist without you know the taxpayer we can't we can't save the planet if we're not in the Paris Climate Accord, well, you sure can if you actually think. And, and, you sure can, guys. You know, like, oh, so I can, I can tomorrow morning wake up and do my part by, you know, by gardening or by driving a fuel-efficient car. I don't need to be in a climate deal with 50 other countries that do not have any mandated rules about emission standards that are on different life cycles of how much pollution they're doing, when they can turn that arc around and start trending downward, <laughs> we don't need a global climate accord to do that. 
And that's a microcosm for everything. We don't need a supranational, you know, bilateral, multilateral treaty to do things. We don't need government to do everything for us. If you start in your own home and work it out from there, you can get some of the same results. I, I just, but it's so lost on people. They need to have a government or a governing body do things for them and tell them what to do. And it's just such this defeatist cuck mentality that just pisses me the hell off. Totally agree. Totally agree, Ross. So, but that, you know, maybe that's for another day. We're at the one hour mark. Um, Let's call it a wrap. I think, this is a, I think this is a great wrap. We went a little off and gave some more subject matter, which I think is great. And, uh, yeah. All right. So, so here's the thing. So I'll release this Friday morning. And Steve, if we could maybe reconnect Sunday night, Monday. Uh, wanted to also drop that Alex, this is just breaking now. Alex Jones was not happy with the way the Megyn Kelly interview went. And she was there for eight hours and asked the same question about Sandy Hook 47 times. And to be fair, Alex didn't do himself any favors because he answered the question in a very haphazard fashion. He's been very all over the map with that particular case. But she tried to exploit him. She gave him villain lighting from the side to make it look like he's a demon. Um, what Alex did was he... They have the whole video. They're going to release it in the next day. So three days before Megyn Kelly, who is on a ratings uh, you know, tightrope right now because she's not getting the ratings she was promised, um, Alex Jones is going to air the entire thing over the weekend before her show can hyper-edit it out of existence. Unless they get to it first. Maybe no, but, but Alex, Alex is new media, so he has multiple photographers and videographers, um, cameramen recording it. They have everything. They're going to release it ahead of Megyn Kelly's interview. She was dishonest, so Alex is like, you know what, fuck you. We'll release it before your show even airs. We'll get better ratings than you, bitch. Wow. So basic Megyn Kelly just got scooped on her own show. And, you know, ratings are down 42% since the, since the Putin interview. She's in a bad way right now. She misrepresented herself to Alex. She said she was not going to do some hit piece. She did a hit piece just as he expected. He's hip to the game. So watch how this plays out. This is going to be trouble for her. She's already in trouble because people want to... How does he know it's going to be a hit piece? Because he was, uh, as the show was evolving, he saw some of the the edits that she was teasing, and they were all make him look in a villainous light. And what they always do is they splice together, they ask the same question multiple times, and they splice together responses out of order to make it look like he directly answered that question when in actuality he didn't. So this is the deception they're going to do. He was hip to the game. Shame on him for the stupid you know, Sandy Hook opinion he has, but he's been all over the place with that thing. Um... So let's see how that plays out. It's going to be very amusing to watch. Super interesting. Well, yeah, I'll obviously be paying attention. We'll have to talk about that when that unfolds. Right. So I guess, you know, let's let that take shape, and then when we reconvene Sunday or Monday, we can talk about the weekend's developments. Um, but it's, in a very, it's a very exciting time right now. I think Reince Priebus is out any day now. Sean Spicer's out any day now. I think Trump's going to start to reassert control of the White House. So, but until then, let's talk Saturday. I'm sorry, let's talk Sunday, Steve. Okay, until next time. Until next time, take it easy. Bye-bye.